0: should you as a Christian respond to sin? What do you do when someone chapter 5 verse 3 is called up in sexual immorality? They're sexually immoral. What do you do? Do you keep quiet for being afraid that you will offend by talking about things such as sin and judgment? I could never talk about those things. I would offend people. What do you do when you're in a crowd at work or at school or among your friends and there's filthy, foolish, crude joking? Chapter 5, verse 4. Should you laugh? Should you rebuke them? Should you say nothing and just walk away? There's another extreme that we can go to. Are you of the mind that you need to be completely separate from the evil world by withdrawing from almost all contact with worldly people and worldly activities? Is that the way you look at this? If you do that, you pretty much have no impact on reaching lost people. That's the way you approach life in this world. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 4, Paul Continues this command that he gave us in verse 1 to imitate God. And now we imitate God by walking in the light. In verses 7 through 14, Paul is dealing with how we relate uh, to our godless culture without becoming infected by it. Here's how you relate to the culture without that culture infecting your life. In these verses, uh, verses 7 through 14, it's one of several places in the Bible. If you read your Bible carefully, This is one of several places you will discover where the theme of light and darkness show up. The Bible, you read carefully, uh, well, we should always read carefully, but this theme of light and darkness seems to come to the surface often. Darkness symbolizes Satan as well as the sinful actions of those who do not obey God. It represents the spiritual ignorance of those who, whose sin has blinded their eyes from the light of God's truth. That's what darkness represents, among many other things. Light, on the other hand, pictures the knowledge of the truth that comes when God shines into our lives. Where do you get that idea from? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Light also pictures the holiness of God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 says God is light and in him is there is no darkness at all. The Bible calls upon the believer, the professing Christian to walk in the light, just as Jesus himself is in the light. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 we're to be living with every area of our lives exposed to God. We're to be walking in the light with every area of our lives. Nothing is off limits when it comes to our life being reflecting light. Our, our, our marriages, our dating relationships, how we raise our children, how we use our money, how we. Uh, this is the time of year where everybody's doing their taxes, right? Yeah, I saw you, everybody rolling their eyes. Oh, it's that, it's that time of year. If you're looking at your handout we see the main idea main idea we are like god when we walk in the light or we imitate god when we walk in the light remember that's the command chapter five verse one imitate god be like god so if you're looking in there again at your handout you see verses seven through ten display the fruit of light display the fruit of light there's going to be two ideas going on here displaying and exposing. So verses seven through 10 is display the fruit of light. Verse seven, I know we, we dealt with it last week, but it's kind of like a hinge verse that, you know, hinges between verses one through six and verses eight through 14. So we're going to talk about it again. It says, therefore do not, excuse me, become partners with them. Paul says you display light by not joining those in darkness partner means to share to or to join in don't partner don't join the world in it's evil Paul speaks of this as well in another place second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 he says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership there's the idea of partnership for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with Darkness. You see those words, partnership and fellowship with light and darkness. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This unequally yoked refers to Christians not being bound together with unbelievers in any activity that hinders the gospel, that that doesn't display the holiness of God. Now, with that said, this does not rule out association completely with such people. Jesus, when He's praying to God the Father in John chapter 17, if, you'll, if you've if read chapter 17, you know that Jesus is praying to the Father. and He's praying. Does anybody remember who He's praying for? He's praying for those of us in this room. He's praying for His followers then and the ones to come. So Jesus was praying to the Father for us, and here's what He said among many other things. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus has sent me, He has sent you, Christian, into the world, but we don't partner, we don't share in their sin, which hinders the gospel and distorts the holiness of God. Christians are to be salt and light. We've heard that before. We're to be salt and light in our society, to love and befriend those who are lost, but our mission does not involve participating in the sin of unbelievers. We must remove ourselves from the things that we talked about last week. They were what? covetousness, greed, sexual immorality, and corrupt speech. We're to remove ourselves from those. We're not to be partnering. We're not to be joining in and sharing in those things. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them, the sons of disobedience in their sin. Don't join up with them, yet don't remove yourself from the world because those people need what? They need the light. They need the light to shine into their lives. So verse 8 gives the argument for verse 7. It says, here's why you don't partner with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Notice some things here. Paul does not say that we used to be... Look carefully. Paul does not say that we used to be in the darkness. Do you see that? The word in is not there. Paul does not say that we used to be in the darkness, whereas now we are in the light, although this is true. Don't misunderstand me. Instead, he says that we used to be darkness. But now we're what? Light in the Lord. There was a time when you were darkness. You were actually the darkness. You're sitting here today, you've turned from your sin, you've trusted in Christ. There was a time when you were the darkness. You were in it, but guess what? You were the darkness. You were the darkness. But now. Thank God for those two words, right? We saw those before, right? Chapter 2, verse 4. But now. But now indicates what? A change. Notice carefully that Paul says Christians are not light in themselves, but they're light who? Where? How? How? In the Lord. You are light in the Lord. Being children of light implies that this profound change comes from God's power in the new birth. When a person is born again, when they when they turn from their sin, when they turn from the darkness and they trust in Jesus when they're born again, something happens. God's Spirit comes to live within them. And because Jesus is light, and because we are in Him, we are to be what church? We are to be... Light. You were darkness, but now you are in the Lord. If you've trusted in Jesus, Jesus is in you and you are in Him. And if Jesus is light, then you're to be what? Light. And because the Christian is light, there's a command in verse 8. Notice what it says Walk. Live all of life as what? Children of light. God the Father has children. Those who trust in Jesus are His children. You walk. You imitate. You act like your Heavenly Father. You walk as children of light. To walk as children of light, we must be children of light. Christians are to pursue holiness. Your life from the day you trust in Jesus until the day that life ends, your life is to be a life of pursuing holiness. Which, by the way, the book of Hebrews says... Without holiness, no one will see God. So that does away with this idea, I get saved, I've got my get out of hell free card, and then I go about my business. Oh no, you have missed what the Bible says. We are to be children of light. Here's a little bit of application for for you. You were, W-E-R, past tense darkness. Do you understand that? That's what you were. But now you're what, church, Christian? You're, you're light. You were darkened by the confusion that you were at the center of the universe. That was your biggest problem. That was my biggest problem. Remember those days? Me, myself, and I. I'm my king. This is my world. I have my kingdom. But now you realize that there's a God and you're not him. Or at least that's what you should be thinking. You realize that you were created by Him, for Him, to worship Him and to enjoy Him forever. And that has radically changed your whole moral outlook. Or at least it should have. And it should have changed your character in life. So remember who you are. That's the application here. Remember who you are. Remember that you are now a child of light and live that out. Verse 8 says, be what you are. That's what I would tell you. Be what you are. You're light. You were darkness, but now you're light. Walk that way. If this is who you are, that's what you do, right? Let me ask you guys something. Those of you who are farmers, what do you do? Tell me. You farm, right? If you're light, then be light. You were darkness, but now you... Light. Be what you are. In verses 9 and 10, we see this described in four ways. They're, these are ways we display the light. Look with me. We'll walk through these. Number one, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good. Some of you have translations that use the words, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of light describes the result of dwelling in God's light. Goodness is one of God's attributes. So to be good is to be like who, church? is to be like God. To be good is to be like God. But listen, listen to me carefully. If you do not know Jesus, you can't be like God, so therefore you can't do what? Good. When applied to us, goodness is kind of like this broad term for behavior that, that benefits others ahead of ourselves. A good person is concerned for the well-being of others in every way, but especially spiritually. Which is the opposite, going back to verse 3, of what? Covetedness and greed. You see how those those things go together? The first way we display this slide is... And all that is good, let me say, there's not enough time to talk about all the good that we should be doing. But here's what I will point you to. I'll point you to the Scriptures that point us to the, the one who is good, and it says what? Imitate Him. Be like Him. Go to the Word of God, read about Him, and be like Him. Number two it says, for the fruit of light is found and all that is good and right. If we walk as children of light, we will be righteous. First, this has to do with our relationship to God, meaning that we are right with God when we trust in Jesus. When we get saved, when we turn from our sin, there's this thing that they often refer to as the great exchange. We give Jesus our sin and He gives us what? His righteousness. The best deal you'll ever get in life. You'll never get a deal like that anywhere else. But it also refers to how we live. It's conforming to God's righteous standards. As we find them in His Word. A righteous person is upright before God and before others. He's just or fair in how he treats others. How he lives out his life. he The fruit of life is found in, in what is good and what is Right. Number three, it says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. If we walk as children of light, we'll be people of what? Truth. Imitate God, who is truth. Follow God. Have the fruit of light that is found in what's true. In context, the truth stands in contrast to the life of the unbelievers that we just saw last week. And also chapter 4 verse 24 which says we've been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You hear that? We've been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Chapter 4 verse 15 and verse 25 also says we're to speak the truth how? Does anybody remember? We're to speak the truth how? In? In love. We're to be people of our word. We're to be people of integrity in all things. We shouldn't have anything to hide because we're walking in what? The light. We are people of all truth. That also means that we don't withhold truth because we fear how others will respond to the truth. Did you hear that? That's part of speaking the truth in love. We don't withhold truth from people. Number four, verse 10. If we walk as children of light, we'll learn... What is pleasing to the Lord, and notice what it says, and try to discern. We'll try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 9 is a, if you're looking there carefully, is a parenthesis. So verse 10 goes back to verse 8, and it summarizes what it means to walk as children of light. And what is that? That we what? Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Your life's goal is. Is to do what? Please Jesus. To do what pleases him. Notice the phrase try uh, to discern. Proving what's acceptable. Finding out what is acceptable. Do you see that? We're to try to discern. We're trying to find out what's pleasing to the Lord. How many of you want to know that? You want to know that, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove, listen, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds are renewed through one means, the Word of God. And I know what you're saying. Here we go again. There's that preacher telling me I need to read the Bible. How many years do you think preachers have been doing that? Billy said for 2,000 years they've been doing it. And we still don't read it, right? Our minds are renewed by the Word of God. How how do I walk in the light? How how do I do that? How, How do I do what is good, right, true, and pleasing to the Lord? First of all, you don't determine what pleases the Lord by your own feelings. Because your feelings do what? If they're like mine... It's this roller coaster thing right there. They change all the time. Or by what the world thinks or what immature Christians say or think. You don't even determine it by your own conscience because your conscience can be ill formed, right? Instead, you learn what pleases the Lord through growing to understand his word. Practically, come to Sunday school and come to corporate worship, hear God's word taught, and hear it preached. That's two of the easiest ways for you to do that. Maybe you approach another Christian. Maybe you're a Christian and you're thinking, man, I'd really like to... Man, this is. I hear this, this is really what I'd like to do, but I don't know what to do. Maybe you approach a Christian that you feel is strong in the Lord and you just ask them, help me to follow Jesus. they are like, really? Can we do that? Yeah, but you know what? The older, mature Christians ought to be going to you and telling you to come follow them to follow Jesus. That's what it should be. Walk in the light. Be good, right, and true. Not for selfish motives, for your own self-respect, or so that others might think highly of you. Christians live to please Jesus. You don't live to please Jesus. You don't live in such a way that others will look at you and say, My, my, what a good Christian he is. We need to be careful. As a believer, you may not please everyone. You may be fun of for following Jesus, for believing the Bible, but you live to please the One who snatched you out of the dark and who became light in your soul. You should not evaluate everything you do by the question, "Does does this please the Lord? You should evaluate your life by that. Does this please the Lord, the one who loved me and gave himself for me, who took me out of darkness and brought me into the light? Is that the one I'm living to please? What does living for the Father's pleasure look like? Well, that's what Paul describes in verses 11 through 14. If you'll look there, your handout says, expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't miss this. Display Light. We understand that, right? There's a lot more to be said about. It. We're to display light. We're to imitate God by displaying Him in all that is good and righteous and true. But there's another responsibility we have, right? And it's to do what? Expose the unfruitful works of darkness. It says in verse eleven. It kind of sounds like verse seven. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Not only should the Christian avoid being partners with those in darkness, they should actively expose the darkness. Did you hear what I said? They should actively expose the darkness. Paul says, "Take no part in." Some some translations use the word "have no fellowship with." Christians are to produce the righteous fruit of light. Verses eight and nine. They are to have nothing at all to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. How much are they to have with those works of darkness? Nothing. Nothing in English means what? Nothing. In Matthew five sixteen, Jesus tells the Christian, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to... Anybody know who glory goes to? Your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others. Here's part of how you expose the darkness. You let your light shine that they may see your good works... And they give glory to the Father. Take no part in these works of darkness, because they bring no benefit to man, nor they do they bring glory to God. These works of darkness are to be avoided by the Christian. Instead, the, the Christian does the opposite. He doesn't partner or participate, but what does he do about those works of darkness? What does it say there? He what he exposes those. Now, what does Paul mean by exposing them? That word has the idea of correcting. Or convincing someone. The idea with expose means that by our lives, listen, and by our words, we expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness. By our lives and by our words, we shine light on what is dark. To ignore sin, listen to me, is to encourage sin. Let me say that again. To ignore sin is to encourage sin. Let me ask you parents something. If your children are doing something in the home and it's something you don't want them to do, if you don't say anything, what are they going to do? They're going to keep doing it, right? And you're like, well, at my house, I even tell them and sometimes they just keep doing it. To ignore sin is to encourage it. To be quiet about it is to help promote it expose has the idea here of reproof or correction or punishment or discipline and that word punishment sounds a little harsh we are to confront sin with intolerance. We're not to, we're not to be intolerant towards we're not to have a tolerance towards sin we're not to allow it to go on. So what's the application here a little bit in this when we expose sin listen to me carefully don't load your gun up. And start shooting. Don't become the sin police and start picking people off. All right? When we expose sin, we need wisdom, we need discernment, and we need gentleness as we do that. As well, let me say this we need courage and conviction to know how to confront and expose the works of darkness. So, we need what, church? We need wisdom. We need discernment, we need gentleness, but we also need courage and conviction. Light always does what? Illuminates the darkness. It exposes sin for what it is. Paul's saying that the life and actions of the Christian expose the works of darkness in this world. Why well, have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them? Verse twelve, for or because? Listen, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. The things they do in secret. When you hear that word "secret" and you read this, you're thinking, what are you thinking? Hide. When you have a secret, you're you're hiding something, right? You're withholding something. The things they do in secret points to what we just read. Last week, it points to the sexual sins mentioned in verse 3. These sins are too shameful even to mention. The idea is that it's shameful to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. They hide. The fact that they do things in secret heightens the indecency of that thing. When you hide something, you really don't want nobody to know about it, right? You want to keep that. Paul wants to utterly renounce those sexual sins, but does so without mentioning the, listen, details. Doesn't mean they ignore them, but he doesn't go into all the details. Some things are so dark that they should be discussed in as little detail as possible. Because to do so is shameful. Don't participate in that which is shameful, but do what? Expose it. Light shines on those things and it will expose those things. In verses 13 and 14, we see the transforming power of the light. Verse 13, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Light makes everything visible. Light makes things appear as they really are. And you know that in the mornings when you go in the bathroom, right? And you flip the light on. You're like, good Lord, what happened between last night and this morning? When sin is revealed, it's what? It's no longer hidden. And it is seen for the ugliness that it is. In other words, by the obvious difference in how a Christian lives, he exposes the sin of those that are engaging in unfruitful deeds of darkness. That's how you expose darkness. In one way, you live the opposite of that. You live imitating God, which shines what? Light truth, goodness, and righteousness into those situations. Paul seems to be arguing that light not only exposes, but it also transforms. To some point it can do that, right? Remember, people will see your good works and give glory to who? God. People who are lost will see your life and hear your words, which should match up, and they will go, there is something different here. They claim to know God. They claim to know Jesus. That's light shining into their life. It exposes their sins. And the idea in that verse when it says they give glory to God, you know what that means? It's possible with someone watching your life and seeing your actions and you speaking truth into their life that God will do what? Take them from where you were and bring them into the light. That's what that's talking about. Let me illustrate that for you. Back in January, we had the, the snow and the, the ice, right? And it hung around for several days. If you were like me, your car, your truck got dirty, right? Snow, salt. There was one day there I'm thinking, I could have swore I was in North Carolina Saturday, but it looks like I live in Michigan today with all these cars riding around just covered in just dusty kind of white, I rode around for days along with everyone else with a filthy, dirty car. Because everyone else's car was dirty, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to my car. Right? Everybody else is dirty. No big deal. But when everyone got their cars and trucks cleaned up, I was riding around in my dirty vehicle and it was like car wash. Those clean cars expose the filthiness of my car, and maybe we want to go to the car wash. Our clean lives expose the sin of unbelievers' lives, and God works in their hearts, and it can often drive them to get their sins washed at the cross. How do you expose the deeds of darkness? Number one, you expose the deeds of darkness by your godly life when you keep yourself separate from the world. If you're no different in your thinking, attitudes, words, and behavior than those who don't know Christ, you have no message to give them. If you profess to know Jesus, but you're not walking in the light, if you're not conforming your life to His Word, then please don't let unbelievers know that you're a Christian. Don't tell them that you're a Christian if your life looks nothing like one. If you're at ease with your simple lifestyle, you may not be a genuine Christian. You're saying, you're being judgmental. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Your life should match up with what the Word of God says. Don't associate the holy name of Jesus with, with your disobedient lifestyle. I have people tell me all the time, I love God. But their life looks nothing like that. It reflects nothing of loving God. Number two, you expose the deeds of darkness by your godly lies and words as you keep appropriate contact with with the world appropriate contact don't isolate yourself from the world why do we not isolate ourselves from the world because we're what we're light and they're in darkness i don't mean that judgmental but they need the light right we can't remove ourselves we can't isolate ourselves from the world doing so results in losing an opportunity to witness but let me give you some guidelines To follow as you seek to maintain proper contact with the world. Notice there, proper contact. You should not be best, you should not be best friends with an unbeliever once you are saved. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I got a lot of friends. Can I tell you? When I got saved, I had a lot of friends. Your closest friendships must be with those who follow Jesus. Notice what I said. Hear my words carefully. Your closest friends must be with those that follow Jesus. I didn't say you could not be friends with an unbeliever, but they shouldn't be your what? Best and closest friends. This includes business partnerships. It includes marriage with an unbeliever. Doing so is to disobey the Word of God. Godless people, godless friends will put you back in your old way of life. Mark my words, you be careful. Who you hang around with, those people will pull you back. But you say, what about witnessing to them? I knew you would have that question. I would say that you must always be focused on winning the loss to Christ. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners, right? But He did not hang out with them in order to have a good time. That's the difference. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but He did not hang out with them to have a good time. By the way, who did Jesus hang out with the most of His life? Twelve people. The apostles. His life was consumed with them. Teaching them how to follow Him. Let me give you some things here. Show concern for those people. Do you realize that good deeds, meeting needs in people's lives demonstrates a love for them? I would also say you need to be courageous and clearly identify with Jesus when you're pressured to compromise your convictions. Be as bold in your witness for Jesus as the other person is in his sin. Do you hear what I said? You be as bold in your convictions to follow Jesus as that other person is in his sin. If they're bold for Satan, why shouldn't you be bold for Jesus? And I know what you're saying, but they will... That's right, they will. Here's what you say if you're ever in a situation where maybe something's going on and you know this is not right, I shouldn't be a part of this. Remember, they're being bold for Satan. You need to be bold for Jesus. Maybe it sounds like this. That offends my Lord. Or, I can't do that. I used to love that sort of thing, but now I belong to Jesus and I want to please Him. That sounds pretty simple, right? And then you share your concern for Him that He's under God's judgment. But Jesus offers forgiveness if He'll repent and trust in Christ. That's the goal. That's what you're after. I used to do those things. Not that I'm any better than you, but now my life is changed. I want to please Jesus. And by the way, here's why you need Jesus. Look at the last part of verse 14. An interesting, if you're like me, a lot of times you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden you get to a point and you're going, where did this come from? Why is this here? Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is an invitation for those who are not children of light to come to the light and be saved. That's what this is. Simply, let me put it this way. Notice the words, awake, sleeper. It describes the person who is asleep in the darkness of sin, and they're unaware that they're lost and they have a tragic future. Unless someone, what? Wakes them up. That's you. Wake up, sleeper. Then notice what it says next. Arise from the dead. That's a call to repentance. A call to turn away from unfruitful works of darkness. Wake up, sleeper. You need to repent and turn to Jesus. Because God's judgment is upon your life. That sounds pretty bad, but notice what it says next. You can't leave this part out. If you do that, Christ will shine upon you. It's the good news that God has provided an escape from his wrath for every sinner who will come to him through Jesus. Wake up, sinner. You you're in the dark. repent and come to Jesus and Jesus will shine into your life and you'll be safe from the wrath of God. Let me give you some application here right quick. Christian Walk as children of light. That's simple, right? Doing so means that you keep proper separation from the world and proper contact with the world. Notice that? Proper separation from and proper contact with. When you do so, your godly life and words will expose the deeds of darkness. And listen to this. Some will wake from the dead... And Jesus will shine on them just as He has shone on you. Father, we thank You for the Gospel today. We thank You for God, Your Word that tells us here today what we once were. But that Jesus has shone into our lives. And now... Our goal, our aim is to please Him. It's not a duty, it's a devotion. It's a life lived out of gratitude that we are no longer darkness, but we're light. Our lives now have a purpose. Our lives now take on meaning. And that is to fulfill God's mission of bringing people from every tribe, tongue, and nation into the kingdom of God. Lord, today help us to turn from our sin. Help us, Lord, to call those who are trapped in the darkness to come into the light. God, we have the greatest news in the world. And yet we're more prone to tell the news that we saw on TV last night than we are to tell the news of the gospel. Father, help us. Help us to be light. God, help us to, to, to be burdened over those who are lost and call them out of their sin. And that may mean those who have never come to Christ and those who are Christians who fall back into sin, we are to call them. We're to shine light upon their, their darkness and we're to call them out of that. God, help us to love today. Help us to be tender-hearted, long-suffering, patient, and kind. But yet, God, help us to be courageous, and help us have conviction. God, that's what Your people are called to do. Help us to do that today. And so in the name of Your Son, we ask these things. Amen. If You will, let's, uh, let's stand this morning.